I'm going to invite you to open your Bible to the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And I said last week that we were going to finish the chapter, and we didn't. Chapter 22, every time a pastor says, I think we're going to finish the chapter, don't believe him. (laughs) But today I think we will, God willing. And we've titled this message now, Behold, I am coming quickly, part two. (laughs) Behold, I'm coming quickly. This is the part of Revelation chapter 22, the last chapter of the Bible. And not only are we reading the last chapter of this book, but the last chapter of the book, the Bible, which brings me always to a reminder, every time I read this chapter and we, every time we see this exhortation, this encouragement, this warning, that we would be a people, that we should be a people that read the Bible cover to cover. If you don't have a plan as to how you're reading the Bible, I encourage you that you would find a plan and begin in Genesis and go through Genesis all the way through the Old Testament and then start in Matthew all the way to the New Testament to Revelation. That you would have a full now understanding of the whole counsel of God. That we would be men, a church, men and women, people that know God's Word and that understand prophecy. This is exactly why we're reading prophecy And we really were led by the Spirit to go to the book of Revelation because all of Bible prophecy, as we mentioned last week, centers around Jesus Christ. Every type of prophecy in Scripture always centers around Jesus Christ. If you're not coming to Jesus when you're studying prophecy, then you have a wrong interpretation of prophecy. This book, the Revelation, of Jesus Christ is so that we would see Jesus. Remember that today, that we would see Jesus. In fact, in chapter 1 of the book of Revelation, we see a vision of Jesus. It was there that at the island of Patmos that John the Apostle saw a vision of Jesus. Chapter 1 of Revelation. Chapter 2 and 3, we call it the church age where he speaks to the seven letters to the seven churches there in Revelation. And then chapter 4 and 5, that's after the rapture, we get a picture of worship in heaven. From chapter 6 to chapter 19 is the tribulation, including the great tribulation, a period of seven years. And then after chapter 19, from chapter 20, you see the millennial reign of Christ here on earth. And then in chapter 21 and chapter 22, the new heaven and the new earth. Now we left off last Wednesday in verse 12 here of chapter 22, when we are brought now to the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ. Every Christian will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment seat of Christ is either going to be a time of great regret, or it's going to be a time of great reward. Would you remember that tonight as you look and you think about the judgment seat of Christ? It's going to be a time of either great regret or great reward. Because here at the judgment seat of Christ, where in verse 12, Christ says, and behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me. He's speaking of the judgment and the rewards after our works have been tested in the fire. Now, our works are important because our works 
are the fruit of our salvation. And today we work, we serve the Lord, we do ministry as a response that we have been saved. But our works, our ministry, our service to God is going to be tried and tested by fire so that the Lord there would test and examine our motivations. We would understand, did we do this with the motivation of praise God to really glorify the Lord? Or was it a self-ambitious desire in ministry? That's why it's important that we understand not only the things that we do, but why do we do the things that we do in ministry? Is there any kind of pride or is there purity of heart? And there in verse 12 there of chapter 22, we have a place of self-examination. Did you serve the Lord for yourself or did you serve for Him? Everything that you're doing, are you expecting a reward here on earth or was it because you wanted to please the Lord? And now we find from verses 13 to verse 21, our responses, our responsibilities in light of His great return. What is our response? Summed up as a whole, your response today in light of His return is our obedience. And we spoke of three themes when it comes to our obedience. Number one, our readiness. Our readiness. Write this down. Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Because we know He's coming quickly, we must serve Him with a pure heart, but we must also serve Him with readiness. Luke 12, 35. Jesus said, let your waist be girded and your lamps be burning. He said, he gives an illustration. He says, be ready always because you do not know at what time I'm going to come. And let yourself be like those men who wait for the master that when he returns from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. That you would always have oil in your lamp burning and your waist always girded waiting for the master that you would be with an attitude of readiness because you do not know when he will return readiness but also accountability your works will be tested by the fire to know if they've been done in the will of god by the power of god for the glory of god not that it's a work of man not that it's a work of the flesh but it's a work of god a work of god glorifies god a work of the flesh does not do that. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, notice the parable that Jesus gives to us. He says, And his Lord said to him, The servant, well done, good and faithful servant, you were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. What does the Lord expect out of us? Our faithfulness. And that we would serve faithfully, not only wanting to be faithful in the big things, but wanting to be faithful in the little things. There are so many times that we want to ask the Lord for a greater capacity of usefulness in ministry. And we say, Lord, would you, if you would just take me to that next place of ministry, then I will serve you faithfully. But God is looking for faithfulness right where you are. So that on that day, He will say, well done, that you finished well. Well done, good and faithful servants. Now notice, he doesn't say well done, good and successful servants. Or well done, good and gifted servants. Well done, good and 
talented servant. Your gifts are not because of your talents. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over few. Let me reward you in his kingdom with more. So we have to learn to be faithful right where God has us with that which he has right before us. Not looking at anything else. Where does God have you right now? Be faithful there. Faithful in the little things. Accountability. But also discipline. Discipline, a very thing that we need if we are to finish well. You can't finish well without discipline. You will never finish well without discipline. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, notice as he is finishing his final epistle to his disciple, he says this, 2 Timothy 4, 6, for I'm already poured out as a drink offering. I've been poured out without reservation. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the fight. Notice, I have finished the race. But number three, I have kept the faith. This is how we want to live our lives in light of His return. I have fought the good fight, the spiritual fight. I have been fighting this fight. Not only have I been fighting this fight, notice, I have finished the race. I finished the race, but I finished well because I kept the faith. You know, oftentimes people don't finish well because they don't keep the faith. They don't remain faithful to the end. And Paul says, I remain faithful to the end. I kept the faith. Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. I'm, I'm going to receive a crown in heaven which the Lord, His righteous judge, will give to me on that day. On that day, He will give me a crown. And not to me only, but also to those who have loved His appearing. We today are ready. We're accountable. We're disciplined because we love His appearing. We cannot wait for Jesus to return for His church. Just imagine, we finish today, we say the word amen, and then He raptures us. We're done. That was it. We'd be blessed to be there in heaven with Him, with the Lord. But there's three final encouragements, exhortations, warnings that we receive from verse 14 to verse 21. Tonight, we have a blessing, number one, an invitation for us, and also a warning. A blessing, an invitation, and a warning. This is how the Bible, written and inspired by the Holy Spirit, authored by God Himself, is concluded with a blessing, with an invitation, but also with a warning that we would take heed. Notice verse 14, it says, Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things. In the churches, I'm the root and the offspring of David, the bright and the morning star. And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. It begins here in verse 14 and 15 with that special blessing. That special blessing. In fact, this is the seventh time in the book of Revelation where he uses the word, blessed are those 
And then he gives a blessing in regards to the responsibility or the privilege of this blessing. Blessed are those who do his commandments. Oh, how happy. That's what that word means. Oh, what a blessing are those, or there is a blessing for those who do his commandments, who obey his word. There's a blessing here to those who obey a blessing in obedience. In fact, what are his commandments? What is his commandments, his law, summed up in the Old Testament? That you would love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, blessed is those who do, who obey his commandments. In a different translation, it would read this, those who have been forgiven of their sins, who have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Notice, it doesn't say blessed are those who know His commandments. It doesn't say blessed are those who have memorized His commandments. Blessed are those who know His commandments in Greek. No, it doesn't say that either. Blessed are those, oh, how happy are those who do, who obey His commandments. There is a blessing in the obedience. And here is the blessing in itself in verse 14, it says, that they may have the right or the privilege or inherit the tree of life or eternal life and may enter through the gates into the city. This is the blessing to those that do, to those that obey, to those that live a life in obedience, abiding. We're going to talk about that word tonight, abiding. Do you want to know if you're truly going to go to heaven? We'll receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and abide in Him. Obey Him. Abide in Him. And it says those who obey the commandments can enter the city and can live inside of the city. This is a quality of life that involves an intimate relationship and fellowship with Jesus based upon perseverance, obedience. Based upon this persevering obedience. We don't want to just obey now. We want to persevere in our obedience. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 24, John himself says this as an encouragement to the church. Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him. He who obeys his commandments abides or lives or fellowships, dwells in him. Dwells in him in a fellowship with him. And by this we know that he abides in us by his spirit who he has given to us. This is exactly how we know that we truly are abiding in Jesus because we're obeying His commandments. Go home tonight and read Psalms 1. It's that Psalms where it says the blessedness or the, now, oh, how happy it is to meditate on the Word of God day and night and be like a person that's planted by the rivers of water that's rooted now and is able to give fruit because they're planted on the Word of God. There's so many people today that want to see a fruit take place in their life, but instead of being planted, instead of being rooted, notice what they are, they're uprooted. And instead of really obeying what God has said, they're trying different things. Don't try different things. Do what God already said. Do what God has said. But notice verse 15, as it would say here now, but outside, those that are disobedient, those that are excluded from this blessing, of entering the city. Outside are dogs or unbelievers. This is referring to the unfaithful. And sorcerers. That word is pharmakia. 
those that practice witchcraft or drugs. Outside are those that practice witchcraft or drugs or sexually immoral, living an unpure life. Those that are practicing these things are outside of the city. They are not permitted to enter. Not only that, but murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices a lie. Notice what it says. Not only sexually and more, not only those that are practicing now drugs, sexual sin, murder, even when it begins in the heart, but also those who love and practice a lie. Those who love to live a lie. It's speaking of those that live a double life. Hypocrisy. Outside of the city are those who are living a double life. Those who choose to reject the Lord. Those are outside. They are not permitted into the city. In Revelation chapter 21, the previous chapter, now we are having already having received this encouragement where it says, but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles it, anything that's impure, anything that causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life, only those whose names are written in the book of life are able to enter the city. And then we have further instruction in chapter 22, only those who keep His commandments. It doesn't mean that I can accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and then live a life of however I want in my liberties that I think I have. No, absolutely not. We must abide, obey His commandments. Paul told the church of Colossae this, don't be confused. He says, therefore, put to death your members. Put to death those members of your body which are on the earth of fornication, of uncleanness, of passion, of evil desire, of covetousness, which is idolatry, anything that takes the place of God in your life. Put those things to death. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So what are we called to in light of His great return? We are called to obey His Word, that we would not be those found outside of the city because we chose to live in disobedience. So we see, receive here in verses 14 and 15 the blessing of obedience. But notice also the invitation that He gives to us to be a part of that blessing. He gives us an invitation so that we are welcomed to be a part of that blessing. And he would say there in verse 16, I, Jesus, this is personally a message from Jesus. He's, he's writing His name on this. He's giving His authority behind this. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. Who is it? It's to you. Circle those words in your Bible, to you. This message is to you. It's a personal message to you, to the churches. And he identifies himself here both in his deity and then in his humanity. Notice here in verse 16, he says this, I testify to the churches, I am. I am, the ego in me, I am, the root and the offspring of David. This is now prophecy fulfilled that he would come from the lineage and genealogy of David. I am the root, I'm the source of David, but I'm also the offspring of David. I'm the source of David and I'm the son of David. His deity, that he is the one from whom where David came from, but he's also the offspring 
of David now. I'm also here in verse 16, the bright and the morning star. It's a now comforting light. The bright and morning star. When you look at the bright and morning star, it's a comforting light in a dark world until the dawn of his return. (laughs) Just think about that. The bright and morning star, that light that appears even in the darkness right before the dawn, right before he returns. And this is what he is setting up as he says this in verse 17. Notice, and the Spirit and the bride, the Spirit and the church together are saying this. The Spirit and the church are saying this right now in heaven. Notice this, it would give us this verse 17, say, come. There are four now instances that we receive here, this word come. We know that He's coming quickly, but notice He also invites us to come to Him. And He says this, the Spirit and the bride, number one, say, come. He's inviting you to come to Him. Number two, and anyone who hears it say, what does he say? Let's say that out loud together. Come. And let him who thirsts, anyone that's thirsty, anyone that's dry, anyone that needs to be satisfied, anyone that needs to be filled, number three, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Anyone that has a desire, anyone that has a thirst, come and drink of the water of life freely why is it freely given because it's given by his grace there's nothing that we need to do to work in order to receive that water of life what does the water of life do it satisfies the thirst in the depths of our soul that nothing in this world can satisfy only the water of life that he gives to us abundantly and graciously of eternal life it's the unlimited offer of salvation if you would just come to him to all those who desire to have their thirsty souls quenched. You see, in this world, when we become thirsty, we want the world to satisfy our thirst. And we go after money to satisfy that thirst in our soul or after success or after relationships. But none of those things satisfy our thirst. In fact, they leave us more thirsty than we were before. But we want to come to Jesus if you're thirsty. So that we're not left dry, but that we would be filled, not only filled, but then overflowing by the Holy Spirit. That is here the invitation that we receive. Because until we come to God, we will never have our thirst satisfied. Just think about today. How many people, even at church, are not satisfied? They're not satisfied because they're always thinking about where else should they be. Always satisfied looking at the next thing. But when you're abiding in Jesus Christ, notice what you are. You become satisfied in Him. (laughs) You're content in Him. You don't need anything else. You're satisfied in Jesus. And here He's urging these lost sinners to trust Him and to be ready for His coming. Come. I I want you to know this. Come. Do you remember where now Jesus was there talking to this Samaritan woman in John chapter 4. And what does he do? He tells her this. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God after asking for a drink, and she says, why are you asking for a drink? You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. We have no business with one another. (laughs) And he said, if you knew the gift of God, and who was it that says to you, give me a drink? You would have asked him, 
and he would have given you living water. (laughs) If you know what I can give you, you would ask me. If you would only know who it is you're talking to, and you know what I can give you, you would ask of me. And I would give you living water where you will be thirsty no more. This woman had had many husbands and still was not satisfied, was living empty. What is it, the invitation that we receive here? Come. In the Bible, we receive different times where Jesus said those words, come. In fact, I'm going to give you here an example. Write this down. Come for fellowship. Come to him for fellowship. Do you remember when the, after G, uh, John the Baptist told the disciples, behold the Lamb of God, and they saw Jesus walking those disciples, and they said, Jesus, where are you staying? <laughs> you know what he said? He said, come and see. You can come for fellowship. Come and see. He invites you to come and follow him. And they came where he was staying and remained with him that day. They came and they remained with him. Come and see where he's at. Come and fellowship. Come and follow him. You can come for fellowship. But also, number two, you can come for forgiveness. Remember this, to write this down tonight. Come for forgiveness. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, the Lord says this to the prophet Isaiah, speaking to the nation of Israel, come now and let us reason together. Says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Come now, let's reason together. I can give you forgiveness. Come to Him for fellowship, but also today, come for forgiveness. What about this? Come for satisfaction. Come for satisfaction. That you would be fully pleased in Him. In Isaiah 55.1, the Lord says this, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Again, you have that word, Come. Come to the waters, another invitation. Isn't it incredible when you read the Bible from Old Testament to New Testament, His grace is constantly inviting us into a relationship with Him? Come, all those who are thirsty, come to the waters. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, He invites us to come to Him for rest. What does He say? Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. I'm gentle and lowly at heart. So today, he's inviting you to come for fellowship. He's inviting you to come for forgiveness. He's inviting you to come for satisfaction. He's inviting you to come for rest. He's inviting you to come just as you are. So what is it that we receive a blessing, an invitation This beautiful invitation that God has left it up to you whether you are choosing to come to Him or to reject Him. But you'll left. Notice this. On that day, when you stand before the Lord, you will be left with no excuses. He's made the invitation already. And here's the warning in verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, notice this is the warning to Fear God's Word. Have an accountability to God's Word. We have to have a relationship with the God of the Bible. 
And we have to have a relationship with the Word of God as well. That's why it's so important to bring your Bible to church. You don't just bring your phone or bring something else. Bring your Bible. Have a relationship with the God of the Bible, with the living Word of God. Notice what it says. If anyone hears or adds to these things, God would add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If you hear these words, if you heard this prophecy of this book, and you add anything to it, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. There's going to be a strict punishment for you trying to add anything to the Word of God. But not only that, notice, and if anyone, verse 19, takes away from the words of this book of the prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. If you try to tamper with God's Word, God's going to remove your name. This is what it says, from the book of life, from the holy city, from the things which are written in this book. He will take your part your blessing from the book of life. You see, this book of prophecy, not only Revelation, but the entire Bible from cover to cover, it's intended not only to be heard, but also to be obeyed and never to be tampered with. Not only to be heard, also to be obeyed and never to be tampered with. Never to be misrepresented. Don't add to God's Word. Don't take away to God's, from God's Word. He said what He said. You don't have to misrepresent His Word. Start adding things. Start making stuff up that God said that when He didn't say that. That's exactly when we come to study God's Word. We're accountable to what we read in God's Word. And don't just believe anything that the preacher says. You bring your Bible, open it up, and find out is that what God is saying? Understand what the Bible is saying. There's so many people that say, well, I, I just think that God is saying or I feel that God is leading me. What do you mean you feel that God is leading you? Is that what God is saying? Show me in the Bible where He's told you that. Ask Him for confirmation of Scripture. Don't add to something that God is not saying. And don't take away from it either because you fear man. You know what happens sometimes that we we take away from what Scripture has said because we don't want to offend anyone. It's God's Word. It, you have no right to tamper with what He has said. He has said it, and we should, we should serve as ambassadors, as representative to His Word. It's not about entertainment. It's about what, is, what did His Word say. And hold His Word to a high and holy standard. Stay accountable to His Word. Don't add to it, and don't take away from it. We, as we study God's Word, it's so important. That's why we have these laws of interpreting God's Word, the, the, the systems of, of hermeneutics, of how we study the Bible, the exegesis that we use, that we look into the text and we pull out of its context, out of its historical and grammatical interpretation to know what did God truly say there. Do not alter His message. Too many times people today are seeking for new truths. Don't seek for new truths. But in the old truths, in the old paths, in the good ways, the old truths, maybe they're seek new experiences. I don't want a new truth. I want an old truth. And Lord, there in that old truth, give me a new experience of knowing who you are. Verse 20, notice what it says. He who 
testifies to these things says, it's the Lord who says this, surely I'm coming quickly. Notice this, I am coming quickly. And the response after John heard this, notice what his response is, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. He can't help it. He says, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. Come right now. I, I pray that you would come, Lord. <laughs> he hears the Lord said, I'm coming quickly. I want you to know this. I'm coming quickly. And the response is readiness, watchfulness. If we did not learn this lesson, if we miss the lesson of readiness, then we miss the essential message of the book of Revelation, which is to know Jesus Christ and to be ready for His return. We must be able to be those people that in our hearts are saying, amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. Right now, if you want to, Lord, would you please come and be excited for the return of Christ? There's so many people that, that even today, oftentimes even the church, that we say, well, we want the Lord to come tonight. And we say, well, you know what? Can you, he just wait another week? I just want to make sure I take care of something before he comes. If Jesus were to come right now, would you, would you be disappointed? Will your plants be upset? You think, well, I'm just holding on to my little plants. Lord, just come right now. All of these things don't matter in life. Even so, come, Jesus. And you know how he ends this book, verse, uh, verse 21? The grace, circle that word, of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Our salvation, the grace of God that comes from Him, be with you. Amen, he says. This book is not only a book about judgment, it's a book that begins and it ends with grace. So many times people say, well, I look at the book of Revelation, I'm intimidated. Tell them this, it's a book about the revelation of Jesus that begins with grace and ends with grace. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, in the first chapter, in the fourth verse, I, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you. Grace to you. In the first chapter, the fourth verse. And then here in chapter 22, verse 4, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is the final word. Notice this. Grace is the final word of the New Testament. How many of us can praise the Lord that grace is that final word? <laughs> Today we want to come in that posture, knowing that grace is the final word. That today we can come. Today we can come for fellowship. Today we can come for fellowship. We can come and see. Today we can come for forgiveness. Come now, let's reason together, he said. Though your sins are like scarlet, they can be white as wool. Today we can come for satisfaction. Then we'd say, Lord, today we're satisfied in you. And then we can come for rest. We can come for rest. Come to me, all those who are tired, weary, labor, heavy laden. I will give you rest. I will give you rest. What about Jesus on that final day of the feast? On that last day of the feast, the Gospel of John chapter 7 says this, that Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, if anyone's thirsty here, don't come to that fountain. Come to me. <laughs> let him come and let him drink. Jesus has made himself available. Now it's up to you. Are you going to drink? Are you going to drink now of that fountain of water of life? He who believes in me, he said, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water, torrents of living water. You know what's symbolic of that he's saying? But he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What is it that he wants to satisfy us with today? 
with torrents of living water, with the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit, that not only would you would be filled today with the Holy Spirit, but also you would overflow, that you would overflow with the Holy Spirit, that your life would be filled and overflow. I'm going to invite the pastors to come up.